Hello and welcome to the More to Life podcast. I am your host, Al Mace, and today I am joined by Amber Romanic. Hi, Amber. Hi, Al. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. So you are an emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert. So that's your kind of title. But if you could just give us a little bit more information about who you are, what you do, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and thank you for having me on the show. So yes, I'm an emotionally eating, digestive and hormone expert. And I've had my business for 10 years and I coach women all over the world who are struggling with food addiction, binge eating, emotional eating, binging and purging to claim full food and body freedom. And we also do a lot of really deep mindset work because obviously this is a very emotional and energetic journey as well. And then I'm supporting them with the hormone imbalances that come along with high stress, people pleasing, overbooked schedules, perfection, all or nothing mentalities, and the gut issues, the inflammation, the bloating, the discomfort, the irregular bowels, as well as the body image piece, because a lot of this is all birthed from feeling unworthy, not feeling good enough, all the programming and conditioning we receive from Hollywood, the media, television, growing up, that makes us feel unworthy and, and you know, the whole fighting with the body and then the weight diet battle. So it's this beautiful dance of working on the mindset, the emotions, the negative thoughts and limiting beliefs that are then governing the way we show up and behave with our bodies, with food, the way we do or don't take care of ourselves. I find a lot of the women that come to me are burnt out. They're putting themselves last. They're very high achieving. They're very busy. Um, but they're really starting to realize the one area of life where they don't have the qualities with themselves internally with their physical, emotional, energetic health, and they feel very out of touch with themselves and it's rippling out and impacting every other area of their life. Yeah, and as you're talking, I'm literally sat here with the biggest smile on my face, nodding away, because I know firsthand the the impact that your relationship to food or your behaviors with food, or that might feel like the initial problem for someone, but how it literally seeps out into every bloody area in your life like I love I loved it that you touched on people pleasing like that was yeah I went through my kind of like recovery and training and stuff that was like such a ha -ha, a ha moment for me like that is why I've literally been the biggest people pleaser Mm -hmm. um so let's delve in I know you've got a personal story to share which is really wonderful not that you've had the personal experience but that you're willing to share it because so many of my listeners are here for these reasons of the the, Mm -hmm. the whole food and body piece so just run me through you know what happened for you what went on when did it start what what was the whole uh roller coaster I'm guessing yeah it definitely is a roller coaster I feel like that's the perfect way to describe it so I always unconsciously had a very emotional relationship with food all through growing up and I think we all have circumstances that occur that shape this and so my first one is I was five and it was my first day taking the bus and I get on the bus and right away the older boys call me fat and ugly and then the whole bus is making fun of me and I didn't know how to manage that and so I really took it on I took it personally and I took on that identity for the next 20 years of my life so I felt very insecure with my body at a young age and then food was always available, whatever kind of food that I wanted. And I think part of that was because I grew up with a very loving like set of parents. However, my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And I think part of the way for her to compensate with some of the things we couldn't do together was with food. 
right? And she used food as a coping mechanism and had a food addiction. I just didn't know that until I started healing and, and then observing her and her behaviors, right? And, and she had body image issues. And so you just innocently start taking on these behaviors and thinking it's normal to eat whatever you want, whenever you want in, in large amounts. Um, and then I think hitting preteens and starting to, like I said, consume content like Hollywood magazines, music videos, et cetera. And you start comparing your body because they all look perfect and you don't. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Because I don't look like that yet. We're sold these falsehoods and we're not told about all the editing and the Photoshopping and all of the illusory, right? Like things that were sold just so they can make a bunch of money off of you and your body vulnerabilities. And so then you start to hate your body and dislike your body. And then you want to hop on the diets, right? Which I started when I was like 10 or 11. And then it was just like, you know, all of that through my teens and where the binge eating really hit hard and the food addiction really hit hard was after my first breakup when I was 21 and I couldn't eat. I just wasn't hungry. And so I started to lose weight really fast. And so between that and over-exercising, which I don't suggest either, I really hit that quote unquote goal weight, you know, that I thought would just fix my whole life and make everything happy because we're really conditioned that weight loss makes you happy, even though it doesn't. Um, anyone that knows that is lost weight, um, but doesn't work on the other things, right. That are contributing to all of our, insecurities knows that it doesn't actually fix anything, um, emotionally, especially. So I was at my lowest weight. Nothing was getting better. I was very arrogant. I was more picky with my body. My, my period went away because I was losing too much weight. And so nothing was really going for me. And then it was just like this one day, this switch flipped. I went to this barbecue. I said, I was only going to have salad. Of course I ended up having ice cream cake and chocolate and all these things. And it just triggered this like, F it. I don't care. Like I'm going to just eat whatever I want and I've messed up. So I'm just going to eat and eat and eat until I'm so full. I don't feel good because tomorrow I'm going to have to get back on track and like go to the gym for three hours. And that birth, the all or nothing mentality and really the binge restriction mentality. And for me, it was a full-blown food addiction. It wasn't just here or there losing control with food. It was either I was completely obsessed and asphyxiated with controlling my food and trying different diets to gain control and obsessing over needing to control how much I was eating, obsessing about my body, the scale, the number on the scale, looking at myself in the mirror for like hours in the day, or I was completely losing control, obsessing about my next binge, right? The foods that I was going to go to the store and buy, eating till I was so full, I was sick. So it was just this complete loss of control on both sides. And I was on these extremes of bouncing back and forth between restriction diets and the binge eating, which to me is what food addiction is. And you don't have control. Like you start, I started eating sugar and I couldn't stop. I would eat a piece of cheese and want to eat the whole block. I would eat a piece of bread and want to eat the whole loaf. For me, it was very intense. And I think, um, you know, it was really, it was really hard because I went from, the lightest I had ever been to now, you know, being 70 pounds, gaining 70 pounds in four months. And I was so upset and so unhappy and really wanted to isolate. I went through a period of binging and purging because I thought, well, if I purge, I won't gain weight and I can just easily like brush under the rug what has happened. And the problem with that is what we do is we we completely lack taking ownership and responsibility for the binge and and the self-sabotage we just put ourselves through and it's so destructive and so I was able to stop and go I've got to own this if I binge I need to own what I've just done and I need to experience it because that is could open up a whole other can of health issues if I keep doing that Um, Because it's very scary when you spiral into binge eating, emotional eating, whatever it is, and you don't really know what's going on or what to do about it, but you're just so 
you're really chasing this reward, this dopamine high, this numbing with food, this crutch, because I didn't know how to cope with my emotions. I didn't know how to manage my stress. I didn't love myself. I had this void that I was trying to fill with food that I never was going to fill with food, but I just didn't know any of that yet. And so that occurred, you know, up my ups and downs where I'm binging multiple days a week for a couple of years. And then I had a, you know, low point moment happen that really changed my trajectory. And I don't want people to have to have the low point moment, but for some of us, we've needed to have that happen because it's literally, this is why. So we have this thing called the ego mindset and the ego lives in the mind and it's the negative voice that continues to justify why binging isn't a big deal. Using food to cope isn't a big deal. Drinking two glasses of wine every night isn't a big deal. Numbing out with TV or shopping or whatever, it's not a big deal. Like this is what you do to cope. So it almost convinces you that it's not a big deal, even though you're suffering a lot emotionally, energetically, and physically, financially, in all aspects of your life. Um, it almost tries to push you into this denial state. And then we deny that it's, there's, there's nothing wrong. And I think I was in that for quite a while where I'm like, food is my friend. I don't know who I'd be without food. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have food as a crutch. So there was fear there of change and fear of the unknown. Well, what if I go on this journey and try to fix all this? I feel like there's so much to work on. I don't even know where to start. So overwhelm, right? And then this whole denial of like, but food is my friend. And I, I just feel like I don't know what I would do without it. And so all of that, like, negative self-talk and just like limiting belief really kept me stuck in suffering. And what happened was one night I had a binge and I threw the food in the garbage, which I usually did to turn myself off from going to have anymore. And that night specifically, I finished, I'm laying on the couch crying because I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to make 30 if I keep doing this. I'm being so destructive and so hard on my body. I'm concerned of the health issues that are cropping up. I, I'm just at a loss really. Um, and so I had the food settle and then I thought, well, if this is the last time I'm going to do this, I might as well go and eat a little bit more. And so that night I dig, did dig through the garbage. I pulled out the food, I ate the cookies, and then I just sat on the floor in just sheer embarrassment, shame, just guilt. Like, who am I? Why is this my life? Why is this happening? I don't understand. So just like all the love and compassion in the world for any of you listening who are struggling with any part of what I'm sharing at whatever level you are, because you don't actually want to do it. We don't want to binge. We don't want to hurt ourselves, but there's this addiction. There's this brain chemistry, these dopamine highs, these patterns in the brains. There's so many things that are, that make it so easy to just give in and make it feel so hard to fight against it and to, to not use food, you know, before you know what's actually going on. But I needed that moment to happen because it crushed the denial that it wasn't a big deal. It crushed the fear of the unknown of who would I be without food? And that, you know, food as a crutch was like my identity. And it crushed the overwhelm of like, I don't know what, where to start or what to do. And it cleared all that out. And now the suffering became far bigger than the denial and the fear to change. And I was like, I can no longer delay dealing with this. Because it's consumed every aspect of me, my life, my health, my bank account, everything. Um, and then from there, thus started the journey to healing, um, learning about the addictive natures of, you know, refined sugar and gut flora and that they were making me crave sugar like crazy, learning about how certain foods excite the same part of the brain as heroin. And I'm not crazy. And it's a lot of it's the, the way the food is designed or food like products, you could say, learning about food corruption and like how they put all this stuff in food to make you addicted. And then they make it really cheap. So you can justify, oh, 
but it's cheap and it's a good deal, right? Um, and that they want you sick because then they want you to rely on big pharma, et cetera, et cetera. And so then it started to be like, I don't want to eat this food. I don't want to support this company, right? I want to like vote with my dollars. Um, and then the emotional leg of the journey started because I still wanted to binge on bananas in a jar of nut butter. Yeah. Um, and right. And so it was like, okay, I don't know how to deal with stress. I don't know what my triggers are. I don't love myself. I've got this void. So I started to work on all of that, right. Writing my triggers down as they came up and it's okay. Cause you're going to fail and you're going to have triggers and you're going to give into them, but you learn from them building a self-care practice where I started to delve into meditation and breath and EFT tapping and journaling and getting out into nature more, um, you know, really starting to feel my feelings. It was scary. The first few times I was terrified, but seeing that nothing bad happened, if I did so catching the negative self-talk and starting to go into positive, even though I felt like a fraud and it didn't feel real, starting to pull back on the weigh-ins and ditching the diets and learning how to nourish my body and, and build mindfulness around food. And as I made those changes, I really overcame the binging, the food addiction, all aspects of it and built a more connected, loving relationship with my body. And that is really what inspired me to start my business because I all of a sudden had all kinds of women asking, what are you doing? You seem different. You have more confidence. You're glowing. Like you just seem happier and healthier. Um, and then started opening up about my story and every woman could relate in some way. And here we are 10 years later, obviously with a lot more learning and evolution, but it's, it was a, a big blessing to go through it. I don't wish it upon anyone, but mm. our biggest sufferings want to guide us to the biggest healings and evolution. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think for, yeah, some people listening, they'll be like, you know, I can resonate with so much of that. And then there will be an amount of people that are just like hell yeah that was me like when yeah. is that intense when it is that that just awful it literally feels just so awful and you feel so stuck like yeah you talking I'm like oh it just brings back so many memories for me as well how um how old were you when you had that moment then that night what was your age I was 21 yeah you were 21 when you decided I'm done yeah yeah and it really started when you're the your relationship to food the changes of food started when you're around 10 so you were kind of in this for like 11 years yeah and it was really intense well I guess yeah 21 to 22 is sometime in that summer between my birthday that I had that moment but it was really a couple years of really intensive like binging and then restriction and and that whole like just complete just I have sometimes they can't even find the words because you can't you're just like I don't even know what's going on mm, yeah right so chaotic and the more yes. you try and control it the more it becomes out of control like yes. I remember waking up in the morning and being like okay take everything out of your diary the only thing you are going to do today is get through the day without a binge like mm. remove everything else and still like I would quotes quote unquote fail and it'd yeah. be like what is wrong with me and then you would just beat yourself up even more when like you say mm -hmm. like it's, it's it's not just that it's so so many complex things of the chemistry and sorry the chemical imbalances is everything like yeah you kind of like you say you have to have so much compassion for yourself and for others going through it because it's it's deep yeah it's deep and it's complex. And this is the thing is we're not taught how to cope in healthy ways. We're not taught how to 
build self-love unless you had parent parents or a mother or someone who really like practices that herself. We're not taught about, okay, yes, there's emotional, emotional eating triggers, but there's physical imbalances in the body that can amplify your triggers like high cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which I see through the roof for every single woman that comes to work with me. Gut flora imbalances make us crave more sugar and skew our blood sugar more, right? Thyroid issues can suppress our appetite level in the morning. And then you think, oh, I'm not hungry. I won't eat. But then that increases your chances for later day binges and overeating. So we're not taught about the hormonal connections, the gut connections, the blood sugar and appetite connections. We're not taught about, okay, if you're a sensitive soul and you're sensitive to energy and you're an empath and you take on everyone's stuff by accident and then you feel overwhelmed that that is a huge trigger and when you don't have healthy boundaries or know how to manage your energy that that that's an easy way to go into it right like there's so many things we're not taught and that's why I think it's so important that we stop saying there's something wrong with me because there's not there's a lack of knowledge awareness education and understanding that we're not provided Um, and it's not just as cut and dry as having willpower or trying harder on your diet or to try and have control with a meal plan or a a calorie app. That's the problem with the weight loss, um, and diet industry is that they're literally distracting you because that's really what it is. They're distracting you with these external tools, these little computer tools to manage your calories and whatever your macros. And it's distracting you because it's keeping you focused on the external, which has nothing to do with all these internal negative thoughts, limiting beliefs and imbalances going on inside. Mm -hmm. And so we stay disconnected from going inward and starting to understand, well, why am I triggered? Why is this happening? Why do I continue to people please? That's rooted in unworthiness. Do I have these things that, you know, we're talking about here? Is this going on for me? Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're like, no, I've got to stick with my macros. And that's the biggest downfall because they want you as a lifetime customer, as long as you continue to cling to the quick fixes and the external focuses. Well, are you really going to heal your relationship with food and your body? Well, I mean, I'm open to miracles, but the likelihood is until we go inward, it's not going to happen. But that's why they're a multi-trillion dollar a year industry, because they know how to keep you hooked and not provide you the actual root cause solutions right but keep focusing on the external because you'll get there one day and right? then you'll be happy and, and, and when yeah. you get to the beginning you'll be happy yeah it's like I've never seen a diet well obviously I've never seen a diet be advertised and says like okay I don't know five two or whatever it is blah 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 and then in, in like I don't know small print this is gonna mentally fuck you up yeah <laughs> Right. Totally. And that's the thing is I've had so many women come to me that have tried keto or low carb or fasting and they're literally, it messes them up more psychologically. Now they're afraid to eat a carrot, a bell pepper, an apple because carbs are bad air quotes, even though they're not. And now they're terrified of like whole foods and it's messed up their hormones so much. Now they're gaining even more weight and they're like, the only way to fix this is to try and try harder on this. And it's like, no, like you're literally damaging your psyche, your body, like everything more by continuing to go on these extreme things. Like the more extreme something is the more it messes with us in our relationship with food. Um, And that's why I don't suggest doing any kind of elimination or restriction when you're healing your relationship with food, because it triggers rebellion. It triggers that ego to be like, well, fuck it. I've had a bad day. Like I'm going to go eat all those things that I'm not supposed to have. Like it just drives that all or nothing even more. Right. Yeah. So psychological. So when you touched on the word void a couple of times, so did you like, if you're able to share, 
did you kind of figure out what that void was as a child or a teenager that you were that you that your food was your kind of coping mechanism? Yeah, I definitely didn't figure it out until I started healing. But I what I started to realize is, well, what, why am I eating? What is this about? It's not physical. I'm not physically hungry. It's emotional. And it really was this lack of self-love, this lack of self-connection um, that I feel like a lot of us end up in. I feel like we're very heavily conditioned from a very young age to focus on everything externally. And we're very, we get programmed like from age zero to seven, your subconscious mind is fully open and you take on the majority of your beliefs, behaviors, and thoughts at that time. And so if you've been through experiences where you've been bullied or called names or people have poked at your stomach or told you, you need to go on a diet or that you're fat or ugly, or you're not good enough in some form, you know, in that time frame, especially we take on that identity because it's programmed into us and we believe it. And the more we believe something, the more, you know, it becomes true and we manifest it regardless of what it is. It's why you see the repetition of anything, right? Take the repetition of losing weight will make you happy. Well, when you are as a woman or even as a man, you see it on a magazine cover like 10,000 times in a period of five years, you it's literally programmed into your mind because your subconscious can't tell what's real from false. And then eventually, even if it's not true, you start to believe it. So I feel like this all created my void. I was taught that, no, like you love yourself because of the way you look. And if you look good and you're thin and you're wealthy and you're successful and all these things, like that's what cultivates self-love when really nothing external can cultivate that and fill the void. But that's really what we're taught, right? And so I think that there's all those kinds of things that created the void and that, you know, when you have a heartbreak or you have like a life move or something big happen, like it just, makes that void even bigger if you don't know how to cope. And then you're, you're just thinking, well, okay, I'm going to comfort eat. It's in the movies. The women eat when, you know, they get broken up with like, that's how programmed we are. Like, that's what we're taught. Um, and so I think because we are so conditioned to be so externally focused, we get disconnected with the unconditional self-love we have for ourselves when we're born because we're born unconditionally loving ourselves. But then that programming disconnects it. And, and again, we get critical and we get into the, the self-hate or the negative self-talk and the comparison and all of these things. Um, and really what this journey is, as you heal your relationship with food in your body is a reconnecting of the self-love and remembering how powerful you are and how full of love we all are. And, and that, that is the natural state of a human being, mm -hmm. but it takes us going on this journey in whatever form for us to be willing to reconnect that, to remember who we real, really are, to claim that for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think that is kind of like a little bit of a hard pill to swallow for people who are in this chaos like I know for me when I was under when I had no choice but to understand exactly what was going on with with me and the food and I was coming to the realization that very similar to you it was down to my low self-worth and mm. therefore in order to come out of it there was going to have to be a lot of self-care learning to love myself I remember just thinking are you joking like I just mm. want like either a pill to get this to go away yeah. or there's got to be something so much more than that or no I just need to find the right diet yeah and I have that realization and I even when I say to clients now like I need you to do this mindset work and it's all around self-love you know the faces are kind of like okay like there's got to be something more than yeah that. and I'm like obviously yeah. it's so much more but actually fundamentally if you can get that right, you are onto a winner. hundred percent. Yeah. And this is the thing we were sold all the quick fixes. Yeah. You can order something off Amazon and gets delivered in two hours, right? There's a pill for everything. 
Some think, well, I'll just supplement my way out of this as well. And it doesn't work that way. And that's, I think the, to be blunt, but loving honest truth is if you, if you're, if you've been struggling with this for years or decades and nothing is changing, be honest with yourself. Are you continuing to click cling to the quick fixes and thinking that you just haven't found the right diet or pill yet? Because there is deeper work to do. And, and for some, it may be like, oh, self-love is woo, self-care is woo. And it's like, well, they're two of the most powerful things that you can be willing to start working on. But I know there's a lot of fear and discomfort around starting to feel and look into why you have low self-worth, setting boundaries and stopping people pleasing. They're uncomfortable. However, what you really need to ask yourself is, is do I want to keep tolerating the suffering that I'm putting myself through that's holding me back from living my most powerful and incredible life and my quality of my health and, and everything inside of me, right? Or do I want to just take the baby steps? Cause it really is baby steps at your pace to break this down, to really deal with it, because honestly, it takes a lot less time to do so and to have the freedom for the rest of your life and the quality of life that you want in your health versus fighting with this forever. Mm, yeah. And for some people, it really is, it could go on forever. Like, yeah, because yeah, I mean, you see, well, you, you managed, you, you were, you're lucky, weren't you? You managed to get out of it quite quickly, but you know, when you get your 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yeah. more clients who, if you do not address this and you do not take action, it goes on forever. It's not something you grow out of, unfortunately. No. No, unfortunately not. And the longer it hangs on, the more impact it has on every part of your health, your well-being, your body. It could significantly impact your relationships, right? Your bank account. Like, I'm not kidding when I said I spent $50,000 in five years on binge foods, quick fixes, like personal trainers I couldn't afford, like all of these things that, you know, eight different sizes of clothing in your closet because your weight's jumping all over the place. Like it costs a lot physically, right? Emotionally, but then financially and relationship wise, and maybe you're not showing up in your business the way you want to, because you're afraid to be seen and judged. Mm -hmm. You're tired. You're bloated all the time. You don't want to go on social media and, and, you know, share your, your services or whatever it is. Like it, it impacts everything. Mm, Literally everything. When you, um, you said earlier, you know, this food, this was your identity with the ratio you had your food. Was that your identity in within yourself that you knew or did other people see see that as your identity as well? Did other people know what was going on for you? Yeah, good question. So nobody knew because I did it all at home in secrecy, right? And then I would eat normally um, when I was out with people or I'd like, if I was eating more, I'm like, yeah, like I'm going on a hike tomorrow. So I need to like carb load and like really eat a lot for energy purposes, right? So nobody knew it was just me. And I think what happened the further I got into the binge and food addiction is I stopped hanging out with my friends. I stopped going to like dance and doing my hobbies and activities because I was just gaining more weight and feeling like crap. And I didn't want to be seen. There was a lot of shame around the weight gain. And that I think a lot of us feel that, right? We don't want people to see that we went from like looking so good to looking like this. We don't want to be judged. Right. Um, so I feel like that's really what was happening for me, but nobody knew, um, until I started my business and I actually like shared my story with like close family and friends. And they're like, we had no idea. Like, why didn't you say anything? And I'm like, honestly, would you have really understood what I was going through? Like, I don't know, you know, and it was just a personal choice. Like everyone chooses how they want to share what they're going through. Um, but I think because it's so vulnerable, 
I held back because I'm like, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want someone to just think it's not a big deal and say, well, just have willpower, just eat this way. Cause it's not that cut and dry. I went to one psychologist once and I'm not poo-pooing them. However, I do think that there is a lack of understanding and empathy and compassion in some of this industry. Um, Cause I've had countless women come to me and share the same experience, but I went to a, a psychologist once poured my heart out, mustered up the money I didn't have. And then all she said was, well, just don't go to the store and buy the food. You just learn how to love yourself. And that's was like, the, and I'm like, oh my God. And then I went and binged because I'm like, she didn't get it at all. I'm like, well, have you been through this yourself? She's like, no. Right. So there was that, like, it just felt cold and like very textbooky. And I'm like, if you're helping someone with this, you need to have compassion, understanding, hold a safe space because some of these people have never opened up to anyone before. And if that's the experience they have, they may feel hesitant to ever open up again. And you don't want that. Yeah, definitely. And that is exactly my story as well. I researched for like the best counselors and therapists and, you know, got some support so I could pay for this guy um, who was, you know, top dog. And literally I, he had, he had no idea what was going Mm -hmm. on with me. And then eventually I did find someone who wasn't even necessarily a therapist. She was, you know, yeah, she wasn't, but she had had it and she had got over it. And she helped me get out of it. And like, it just shows you it's so, it's such a feeling. Um, It's, it's, it's like a feeling you, you, well, you said earlier that you find hard to explain to people. And I think unless Mm -hmm. you have felt that erratic binge, that like uncontrollable urge to purge, Mm -hmm. that kind of like shame and guilt around it, it's how it's so hard to support. And I guess that's why, it you know it is one of the biggest mental health conditions that goes unsupported because like you say it would be a parent just saying just don't eat it or mm-hmm. eat it you know yeah. that's is so misunderstood yeah and I think it's so important to understand like how significantly 90 if it's 90% of the female population if 50% of the male population are struggling with body image issues and some kind of emotional relationship with food it's to really understand like the significance of this. And this is the thing, like there's so many ways to look at this, but what, one of the things that I learned through all of this as well, if I'm fighting with my body and food, I'm so distracted. I'm so out of touch with myself, my intuition. I don't really have discernment of like anything really in the world. And I'm, I'm actually a lot easier to manipulate if I hate my body and I'm insecure because then the next celebrity that promotes something, I'm like, I want to go and buy that. Cause then I'll be somebody. I want to go buy that makeup line from this person. I'm going to go drink Pepsi cause it's being endorsed. So I like deep down, I do feel like this was really designed on purpose to especially target women because we're so out of touch and we make all these companies an industry so much money if we're stuck in this, right? Like, and if I don't have my intuition and discernment, well, I'm not critically thinking or going like, does that make sense for me to go and spend my hard-earned cash on all these endorsements, right? Like, but we don't, we're just desperate. We're desperate for something to look good, to feel good, to get validation from the external world. And you know, I think it's just so important that if you're looking for support, you really connect with the person that you feel safe and it feels like a warm space. Um, and if you've been seeing a counselor or like, I don't want to, you know, those labels, right? Like anybody, but if you've been getting, you know, trying to get help for years and nothing is changing, you may want to see someone else because it shouldn't take five, 10 years 
and to not see any progress, right? Like it should start to shift in weeks and months. And, you know, like, I know everyone has their own pace and I've obviously witnessed that. Um, but just like kind of red flag, like if you're going to see the same person to try to deal with your binge eating and your food addiction and nothing is changing, try a different path. Yeah. And that's, and that's it, isn't it? Like, did you find that, yes, you saw maybe a few different people, but did you also have to take a holistic approach? Like, did you have to try different kind of tools and techniques and therapies? And, you know, it's not just like, for me, I wasn't just like talking therapy, like talking to someone. I also tried hit been a hypnotherapy. I tried okay. a bit of this and that and that. And I found like putting it all together, some things worked for me, some things didn't, but it ultimately yeah. like helped me. Yeah. So after I had that one session with a psychologist, I didn't seek out any other help because I'm like, I don't think anyone can, I don't know. There's just this invisible guidance, this quiet voice. that's like, you have to figure this out yourself. And I'm like, okay, like I'll, plus I didn't really have the money at the time anyway. Um, so just kind of went in on my own, but I, yeah, I read tons of self-help books. I tried tons of different self-care modalities. I really took it upon myself to write down every trigger and post it in every room of my apartment to start building awareness and understanding my triggers. The deep level of awareness that I cultivated is really what helped me shift and heal. And it was being compassionate through the failures and the ups and downs, because it wasn't just a cakewalk to the finish line. And, and then as I, you know, healed and started my business and started to like gain momentum and bring in income, I wasn't binge eating anymore, but now I was really working on the ego mindset and working on like learning how to be more in my power and clear out the people pleasing and my fear of abandonment and all of these insecurities that were still there aside, you know, cause I was happy with my body, but now it was all these other things showing up. And so that's when I was able to start investing in a little bit of support. So I did like body talk and energy healing. I was more attracted to those more holistic and yeah. really like in-depth modalities. And then like got like business mentorship to help with business and saw how many insecurities I had with money and all these other things that it really helped us. So I honestly think one of the best things we can do if we have the means to do so is invest in good support and that there's a huge difference between talk therapy and coaching and mentorship, right? right? So talk therapy is great if you just want to go talk, but if you want accountability, support, someone to lovingly call you out when you're in resistance and procrastination to help you deal with your ego and like give you tools, support and guidance to actually change. This is where coaching I think is like what we do is really more going to get you probably further along because there are tools I think in support and and being held like the whole way through your journey rather than just like, okay, here, yeah, we're, we talked. Okay. See you in a month. Like that's a nice chit chat. The ego mind is so strong when we start this journey and it does require consistent support, touch points, check-ins calls, right? Because otherwise like it's so easy to give into it and so easy to give into the triggers in the beginning. You're so vulnerable. There's so much to rewire, Mm. right? So if you're finding that isn't working and maybe it is working for you and People are going to choose the path that feels best for them. But from experience and just having a lot of women come my way, it's just like really be honest with yourself if what you're currently doing is just keeping you in the same place. Because it's not you. It's just that there may be something better. Yeah. Or are you literally just going through that cycle of like, say say you're doing like an external program for your your physical yeah. Like, are you feeling amazing for three months and then you fall off bandwagon and then you feel awful, but then you go back again. So you think it's working because you feel good for three months, but then you have to remember it's not because you keep failing as such. Yeah. 
And maybe you need more work than that. You need, well, not maybe, a certain that you need yeah. that work. Yeah. And I think one of the blocks now in this day and age is with the influencer industry, oh. right? Because we see all these influencers. And if you are one, that's fine. But uh, who read a book or like get paid a bunch of money to endorse certain vitamins or certain diets or eating styles or workout wear. And if you idolize this person because they have a million followers and that's the clout you're giving them and they but they have no clue how their influence may be influencing you. Right. And triggering you or like continuing to focus on the external, I think that's a huge block because then we do flock to like, oh, I need to do this workout routine. Oh, I'm going to follow this meal plan that this influencer has because look at how perfect her body is or whatever it is. And it's like, be willing to really get honest with yourself about what is influencing you, mm-hmm. right? Because I think it's so important that we follow people that are going to encourage us and uplift us. And that Ideally, they're going into the deeper stuff versus the surface level. Because like you said, if you continue to focus on these external programs, you you convince yourself it's working, but it's just really distracting us and and continuing to keep us in avoidance of doing the deeper work, which really is the key Mm. and will change everything for you. Yeah. Oh gosh, we could sit here and talk for hours and hours and hours about this stuff. (laughs) Very passionate. Um, But thank you so much. You've been an absolute pleasure. And where can people, I'll put it in the show notes, but where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram. It's my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. And the podcast is the No Sugar Coding Podcast, available on every podcast app, as well as you can listen to all the episodes on my website at amberapproved.ca. There's all kinds of resources and support and things there if you want to reach out. Amazing. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Bye.